For The Daily Princetonian, I'm Isabel Jacobson. And I'm Theo Wells-Spackman. You're listening to Daybreak. Hear that? That's the sound of the Princeton University Gospel Ensemble at their concert in spring 2019. They call themselves Puge. But the group hasn't had a formal concert since the one in 2019. In fact, they've only had five rehearsals. Those began in September 2023 with current leader Elizabeth Deraville, class of 26. Ever since my freshman year, I wanted to join a gospel choir. Um, when I came to Princeton, I saw that there were so many like clubs and organizations to be a part of. And I was in these spaces, but I still felt like incomplete or like those groups that I identify with. So for instance, I go to like Black Affinity um, group spaces, but I grew up Christian. So I still kind of felt like a little like different um, when I was in those spaces. Daraville decided to take matters into her own hands. She found the video of Puge singing from 2019, and inspired by the group's history, reached out to Reverend Dr. Teresa Thames, Princeton's Associate Dean of Religious Life. Honestly, I thought it was going to be easier than what it has been. Like, I thought, oh, you know, just reach out to some people and gauge who wants to join and then we'll just start singing. But it's definitely been like a lot of logistical things that I wasn't really expecting. Daraville sent out a Google form, distributing it among Black students at Princeton. She was met with excitement. And then us upperclassmen like reached out to me and she was like, hey, like, I've been wanting to start, like, be part of a gospel choir, too. And she goes to this church service called Hallelujah Church in Mary Dodge. And she actually knows our current choir director, um, who was also part of Puge, because he's an alumni. And she connected me to him. That alumnus? Darren St. Ulysse, class of 2017. He's been around Puge since 2012, his sophomore year at Princeton. Since graduating, he's stuck around, first as a graduate student at Princeton Theological Seminary, then as an employee with Princeton's Christian Union Nova, and now as a writer for Sojourner's Magazine. In his nearly 11 years with Puge, St. Ulysse has seen its ebbs and flows. The Gospel Ensemble is a primarily um, designed, with the exception of serving for racialized Black, there's a lot of change that has happened over the past 10 years or so with the way that Black students on campus have uh, affiliated with Christian spaces, which is not to say that they, we don't, didn't, um, and aren't. It's just different. And there's a lot of other ways to be part of other things on campus and huge as a result of being a kind of non-audition, open-styled choir that uh, is not as quote-unquote prestigious as, say, some of the uh, other larger dance or singing groups. But the history of gospel music at Princeton is much more storied than this recent revival. Puge, according to Prince Records, started back in 1972 before being reformed in 1981. People have told me about days when Puge had upwards of 50 students that were part of it at the, at the time, and there was a thing where university employees were part of it, and uh, it was just, it, it had a lot of vibrance in terms of campus life and uh, things of that nature. One feature from The Prince in 1980 described a time when the choir had 53 students. But since then, information on the group's presence on campus remains sparse. The organization was, and still is, completely student-run, and with high turnover rates, there are still many gaps in the story of the choir. 
it was definitely difficult to find a lot of information because the impression that I got on this gospel choir was that it basically started with the first couple like remnants of black students. They just decided to like form a choir. So it was always like a student led group, but it was never like fully recognized by the university. To fill in some of those gaps, we talked to alumni and former Puge president, Cindy Graham, class of 2001. Graham was originally introduced to Puge as a prefrosh, where she stayed with a student active in the choir. At the time she was a freshman in fall of 1996, she remembers there being at least three lines of people in the ensemble, though by her senior year, its size shrunk to around 10 members. Like St. Elise, Graham recalls the size decrease as one related to choice. Campus has seen like an increase in more diversity in singing groups, which was really great to see during that time period. Despite the size fluctuations, Puge continued to be a staple of Black life at Princeton. They hosted twice annual concerts, one of which from 1988, you just heard. They also performed at Communiversity, a joint festival by the town of Princeton and the university that ran until 2020. Two other notable performances stuck out to Graham. One was in collaboration with the Johns Hopkins Gospel Choir in the spring of her sophomore year. Both choirs happened to sing the same song and it was their final song that they sang and they kind of surprised us and invited us down to sing. So that was a good time. We sang in the Baltimore Harbor, which was just an amazing experience. She also remembered the choir performing for the ambassador of South Africa in her freshman year. They actually asked us to sing the South African uh, national anthem and we actually sang it in two languages. I think Zulu was one of them and I can't remember the other. Yeah, and I still actually know some of the lyrics <laughs> to this day. I will not sing it here for the podcast, but <laughs> um, <laughs> I do remember parts of it to this day. <laughs> Once it came to St. Ulysses' time, the group remained relatively consistent. Though small, it held frequent practices and concerts and continued to provide an affinity space on campus. That was until the pandemic hit. Following the disruption of COVID, Puge, like so many other clubs, did not survive. Puge has kind of been in a holding pattern ever since, but until uh, 2023, when I didn't expect that I was going to be back as director again this year, we're trying to resuscitate the thing and uh, happy to serve as director. Yeah. Puge has faced its fair share of challenges, retaining members, securing funding, even finding a space to practice. So honestly, <laughs> every Sunday I like have to come to the music center before our rehearsal, like an hour before to see if a room is open. Like that's how we have our practices. It's very, like I said, it's very under the radar. I feel like this is kind of like the culture of Puge. <laughs> so why do they do it? Why have members of Puge continued to try and try again, despite the hardships? For St. Elise, that answer is simple. It's about the music. Music tells a story of people. And I think um, so much of what gospel music charts the um, history of what it has meant to be Black and Christian in the United States. I think one of the benefits of being part of a, of a group like Huge, largely because of the fact that at least for as long as I've been around and for as long as many of the other people who have been around and have served as presidents and things of that nature, they would insist, and I still am insisting upon, okay, our job is to be connected 
to the larger story of what does it mean to be um, a Black Christian who lives in the United States. There are some songs that even though they might be, they might work, um, they might sing, I just won't, I won't do them and I, I won't have us do them because it's not connected enough to the story of, uh, of our people. For Graham, gospel music is about shared identity, but it's also connected to her own spirituality. She describes it like this. It really evokes a very strong feeling, I would say. And it's, um, you know, it's kind of that idea of it's your guttural utterances. It's kind of like we don't even know what to say or what to pray or like the words have failed you. You know, the song is there for you and you can, you know, you can rejoice, you can lament, you can express what you're feeling through the song. Yeah, so gospel music can really help you get connected. But beyond that, the community of Puge is what has stuck with her all these years. Honestly, it was what got me through Princeton. <laughs> you know, okay. Princeton is an amazing experience and it's a rigorous experience. It's not necessarily a cakewalk. And so uh, I am Black. I'm also a first generation American. So um, my family is originally from Haiti. Princeton can be a culture shock. So for me, the gospel ensemble, they just pull you in. <laughs> you know, you come <laughs> family immediately. During the practices, we would open up in prayer we would close in prayer. There was always opportunity to talk about what you were going through. I'm even getting goosebumps right now thinking about it. To have like this communal aspect to it where, you know, we are talking about the hardships and the victories. Like we're talking about all of that um, with everybody is really great. One of Daraville's aims with the choir is to revive that community. And so far, it's worked. Gabby Shavaria class of 2026, is currently a staple member of the ensemble. Though she's never performed in a gospel choir before and isn't particularly religious, the space nonetheless means a lot to her. I really wanted to find a choir that was not a cappella. It's really interesting because it's a very spiritual thing in the sense that it's like away from the church, but still kind of bringing in that aspect of like coming together and like worshiping. And it's a very good release of energy for me, like especially on campus. It just brings good vibes, I guess. And I really enjoy it. It's a very like healing space. Though Puge today is still finding its footing, Daraville has high hopes for the choir both as a vehicle to platform gospel music and culture and make space for a new community at Princeton. I think it's just like, come like come as you are. Like, you don't have to be a good singer. Like, <laughs> I think people assume that like, they have to sing very well, but that's not the case. Like, it's just bringing people together to sing, to sing for God. That's all for Daybreak today. Today's episode's written by Theo Wells-Spackman, Maya Mukherjee, Vitus LaRue, and me. Sound engineered by Eden Tashoma and me, and produced under the 147th Managing Board of The Prince. Special thanks to podcast staffers Navan Demija and Daniel Jung for their work on this episode. Our theme was composed by Ed Horan, class of 2022. For The Daily Princetonian, I'm Isabel Jacobson. Have a wonderful day.